Digging deeper into the day's top stories, you're listening to Jeff Andreas on 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Hello and welcome in to the Jeff Andreas Show. Thanks so much for tuning in here with me today. It is Tuesday, April the 14th, day two at noon. So thanks so much for uh, sticking around here with me. Uh, I got a good show lined up here today. Coming up, I'm going to be chatting with Ayla Salen, who is an employment lawyer with Fulton and Company. The Kamloops Chamber has been hosting guest speakers to talk about what is going on in the business community as everyone, you know, tries to navigate through this global pandemic that we find ourselves stuck in. So Ayla is going to join me uh, a little bit later here in the show to talk about today's virtual meet and greet that is going to be happening uh, through the Chamber of Commerce and provide a little snapshot of what will be discussed. Of course, she's going to be providing some um, opinions and advice to business owners about how we can go about dealing with COVID-19. And to end off today's show, I'm going to be speaking with the CAO of the City of Merritt to see things how, how things are going in that community. It recently laid off about 60% of the staff there uh, for the city itself, and it also just recently saw the complete shutdown of Aspen complainers. So we'll get into uh, all that and how that is impacting the community here in just a little bit. But to begin today's show, well, I wanted to talk a little bit about the impacts to the business community. Yesterday, uh, I had a strong chat, or sorry, a long chat regarding job losses in BC. Last week, of course, Finance Minister Carol James said that there were more than 130,000 job losses in the province in the month of March, and that number is only going to go up here in April. Now, during the release of those stats, James was asked about minimum wage and if it is still expected to go up on June 1st, even in the midst of a pandemic. Currently in BC, minimum wage sits at $13 and 85 cents an hour for general workers but as soon as monday june 1 hits the number will go up to 14 dollars and 60 cents an hour here now to discuss what this could mean for the kamloops and area business community is the president of the kamloops chamber of commerce tyson andrew tyson how you doing today I'm doing okay. How about yourself? Ah, I'm, I'm doing uh, as best as I can, I think, in these troubling times. Um, I'll just start with this because like, it's been uh, just a little over a month, I believe, maybe a little bit longer than that since uh, you took on the role of a president here of the Kamloops Chamber. So just to first and foremost, you know, how, how has it been in that position at this point in time? I mean, you kind of took over at a, a pretty bizarre time here in our, in our business landscape. Yeah, you uh, you couldn't be more accurate about that. Um, it's a, it is a it's a strange time to uh, to take on this role and to to try and be the uh, the voice of business in Kamloops. But um, you know we've we've got a really strong board. Um, we're we're up to the task, and uh, we're obviously uh, trying to engage with our members as much as possible during this time to uh, to get an idea of what we can do to better support them. Perfect. And, and with that in mind, uh, like I said, kind of the main thing I wanted to focus on here today was that increase in minimum wage. So it's going to go up uh, 75 cents an hour here come June 1st. So just from your what you're hearing from the business community and the business leaders here in Kamloops, I mean, is there a concern right now about that number going up and, and particularly in a time when, of course, all the businesses are, are feeling the pinch here as a result of COVID-19? Yeah, I think um, in talking with some businesses, um, I was able to, to engage with uh, quite a few yesterday, actually, um, to get an idea of where, where they're at on this particular issue. Um, and I think it's a lot, it's very sector-based. So when you started looking at kind of service industry jobs right now, which have obviously been highlighted during this crisis, um, hotels, restaurants, 
that sort of thing. Uh, specifically looking at, you know, restaurants that are still trying to operate under the current um, circumstances. Uh, many of them that I spoke with yesterday, um, I was engaged in a, in a group uh, group chat with them yesterday. They had, uh, they had stated that they really need this to, to be deferred, whether it's a few months or uh, at some point in the future. Um, you know, just we're, we're talking about businesses that either are shut down entirely or they're looking at, you know, 20, 30% of what they used to do um, under their current kind of takeout and delivery models. So any added cost is, uh, could, could be what breaks the camel's back, so to speak. Um, yeah, and, and, you know, when we're looking at this uh, potentially happening in about six weeks' time, and that's probably a time when a lot of these businesses, I mean, this is, I guess, just uh, my hope and keeping my fingers crossed this, that this will be the case, that businesses are starting to really ramp up business come the beginning of June. I mean, does that just kind of exacerbate this issue, given that, um, you know, they're going to be looking at uh, just trying to get themselves back on on the ground here, right, when it comes to being able to provide the services that are out there and, and you know, be able to kind of get their business back up off the ground and now they have to deal with this minimum wage increase i mean there's a there's a balance here right between providing a a livable wage for people but also to be able to have businesses actually operate i mean there needs to be jobs available is there is there a a real concern about you know maybe things not launching as quickly as people would want when we're looking at some of these you know lower lower wage jobs and and maybe they won't even be available because uh, these businesses are just trying to to get back off the ground well, I, pre- I appreciate your uh, your optimism in that uh, June first is maybe uh, where we start to see a light at the end of the tunnel. I'm I'm not so sure on that, but um, we're we got our fingers crossed here. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, you hit, you hit the nail on the head. There's um, obviously when businesses are starting to ramp up, and if we're looking at you know um, bringing bringing employees back, um, and hope, hopefully starting to look uh, look towards you know increased sales for our for our members um any added cost is, is going to be a major hindrance in in that recovery effort um the bc chamber of commerce uh, just sent out a, a bc mine rate uh, mine reader survey uh, and we got a bunch of local data on it actually just uh, received it last night so we have uh, just under 90 businesses um locally respond and some there's some pretty interesting data in there one of those points kind of touches on this question they had uh, more than 50 percent of the local businesses that responded had concerns with an extremely slow uh, recovery period following this crisis um, and the m- most significant part of uh, what was driving that concern and that and that belief that it's going to be a slow recovery was um, was the added cost they've incurred, uh, as well as consumers' ability to uh, to actually come and enjoy their services, right? With everyone being so laid off, with with everyone being laid off and um, and, and struggling during these times, uh, there's just going to be a, a really tough time to get back on our feet as it as it is now. So, an added cost like like increased minimum wage for some sectors uh, might be really challenging to overcome. Now, one of the things you have said here is, you know, there, there's a, a call or a, a bit of a plea, I guess, on behalf, on behalf of businesses to maybe defer this minimum wage increase. And, it, you know, like we've been talking about here when it comes to that June 1st, like I'm just hopeful that things will start to yeah. get back to normal around that time. But like you had said, I mean, it's it, who knows at this point in time. So with that being so 
up in the air and, and just so many unknowns about how things are going to progress here throughout the summer. Is there even like a timeline that people might be looking at, that business leaders might be looking at for when it would be more appropriate for that minimum wage increase to come into effect? At this point, it hasn't really been discussed, no. Um, I, you know, you're, you're seeing a lot of different um, payments being deferred until kind of September 1st and that sort of thing, people expecting um, the summer to to maybe improve slightly. But uh, at this point, it's, it's very much up in the air. So, um, yeah, when you, and like I said, a lot of, a lot of the, the information that we were uh, receiving from businesses was very sec- sector-based, right? Some sectors don't pay minimum wage and don't pay near minimum wage, mm-hmm. so it wasn't an impact to them. But when you start looking at sectors where, um, you know, they, they do pay closer to minimum, minimum wage or just above it, um, that's where the that's where the impact is. So, yeah, looking at a particular date to defer to, um, we, we don't necessarily have that, have a good, a good grasp of when that should be at this point. Okay, so with that in mind, uh, you know, as people look to push the date back a little bit, what what sorts of uh, campaigns, if you will, are kind of ongoing to to try to lobby uh, the government to to delay this minimum wage increase? What what sorts of um, you know steps are being taken to to try and convince our our government leaders that that's a good idea? Right. So um, the uh, the local camels chamber obviously works extremely closely with our uh, with our provincial and federal counterparts at the BC and Canadian chambers. Um, and, and this is one of the major values that we provide for our, for our members is that, you know, we, we want to take the information that they're providing for us and, and bringing it to all three levels of government. So working with our, uh, with our MLAs and, um, and MPs to, uh, to ensure that these sorts of um, issues are, are brought forward as well. But largely right now, um, the, the federal and provincial governments have been extremely uh, responsive to our provincial and federal counterparts at the chambers. Uh, so that's been a really effective method. A lot of the stuff that you've seen come out uh, through wage subsidies and uh, CERB and all of that, a lot of that's born out of these weekly meetings that uh, are, are weekly or very frequent meetings that those provincial and federal uh, chambers of commerce are having. Perfect. Um, yeah, well, that's uh, about all I have for you right here now, Tyson. I mean, obviously just a, a crazy situation that everyone's trying to work its way through in the business community is, um, you know, one of the, 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 the industries, or not industries, uh, one of the... The business leaders here in, in Kamloops, I'm sure, are very concerned about how this is impacting them now and let alone in a couple of months. And it's probably really difficult to to plan for some of the things that are going to be coming. I guess, what what is your advice to uh, business owners right now? I mean, it's probably just, uh, I would assume that you would expect to see that minimum wage increase go up on June 1, uh, even if, you know, the, the, the calls are heard and, and it is deferred, at least at this point in time, that's not the case. So are, is your advice, I guess, just for businesses to plan uh, for that minimum wage to go in? minimum wage increase to go into effect on June 1st and just sort of get themselves prepared for that to happen? Yeah, at this point, you know, uh, I'm, I can't say for sure if those, if those lobbying efforts are going to be successful in, uh, in a minimum wage deferral. I think my advice would be that, you know, it's uh, right now and, you know, at the best of times, um, our small business members, you know, they're, they're working in their business, right? They're working in it. How many, however many hours per day, and, and they don't get the, uh, a lot of time to, to work on the business, to, to focus on sales growth or, 
or pr- their processes or things of that nature. But this is a really critical time that if they if they are still operating or if they're not operating, is to really plan um, and be conservative in planning. Plan so I, I would plan on that increase uh, increase happening, and. Um, and working towards, uh, you know, how you can continue to operate with those added expenses. Well, Tyson, thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate it. I know this is an issue that's not going away. And, and just in terms of the overall business community, I know there's a number of issues you're working through. So I'm sure we'll find some more time to chat here in the not too distant future. But uh, I really do appreciate you taking the time here today. Thank you for having me on. That was the president of the Kamloops Chamber of Commerce, Tyson Andrew So again, yeah, currently in BC, minimum wage sits at $13.85 an hour for general workers. Um, that is going to go up to $14.60 an hour on Monday, June the 1st. So that means if we're counting on a 40-hour work week, working 52 weeks a year, you'd be earning uh, about just over $30,000 a year. Um, that's a little bit over $2,000 more than you would be making working the same hours uh, prior to that minimum wage change. So pretty significant uh, increase in costs for, for business owners for sure. And it's all about that balance, right, between providing those livable wages, but also allowing businesses the ability to actually earn some money. So it's a give and take. Well, let's take a quick break here, and I'll be back with an employment lawyer who can uh, maybe provide some information on how employers and employees are dealing with COVID-19 and navigating through these uncertain times. So stick around. I'll be back with more Jeff Andrea show after this. The voice of your community, Radio NL 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Here's Jeff Andreas. Welcome back to the Jeff Andreas Show. Thanks so much for tuning in here with me today. It is April 14th. The Kamloops Chamber of Commerce has launched free virtual meetups focused on business recovery during COVID-19. It has been bringing in guest speakers, including industry experts and small business owners, to share knowledge and best practices. Well, this afternoon, the Chamber's welcoming employment lawyer with Fulton & Company, Ayla Salen, and she joins me on the phone now. Ayla, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me here today. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so this chamber event, you know, it it states on the on the event page, you know, that you're going to be on hand to share some information with employers about best practices to navigate COVID-19 and to discuss support systems that are currently available. So I want to just start with that first part of that sentence, best practices to navigate COVID-19. That's a pretty broad statement. So what types of advice are you expecting to be giving to local business owners with respect to navigating this pandemic here this afternoon? Yeah, as, as a starting point, the COVID pandemic has really impacted every person in every workplace. And so what I'm hoping to discuss with some of the employers today is what are some of the best practices to provide a health and safety workplace to their employees? Um, so that would be include best practices, maybe strategizing different scenarios as to how to structure their workplace, uh, how to deal with situations if there's an infection in the workplace or a suspected infection, or if someone calls in sick because a family member um, either has COVID or may have COVID, maybe how to deal with some of the more vulnerable employees, uh, elderly or immune compromised, and then also how to deal with the fear that exists around COVID in the workplace. So a lot of the time I get employers who don't have employees showing up and how to deal with those scenarios. So that would be one of the main topics that I plan to discuss is is strategies around all those, as well as some of the business operation of the workplace. So are there profit concerns? Is, is 
their need to reduce the workforce or what type of benefits are available so that you can avoid having to lay people off. You mentioned a lot of different things there in terms of sort of what the potential responsibilities are for employers. And obviously the main thing during a time like this is to make sure that, you know, your workplace is safe. If you're going to have people continuing to come into an office or, or another place of business, right, that uh, that it is a safe uh, workplace. So when it comes to, I guess, just infection specifically, right? If someone were to get COVID-19, what is the employee's responsibility, I guess, when it comes to maintaining that safe environment? When you look at, you know, if someone were to contract uh, COVID-19 within someone's household, I mean, obviously, I would think it would be the most important thing to make sure that person stays home and has the ability to be able to self-isolate and all those kinds of things that we're being told to from a health professional. So, uh, you know, I guess, are you hearing any stories of, of like employers who maybe are, you know, don't have enough staff to be able to allow people to kind of take those necessary times off? I mean, I don't know exactly if you're understanding my question, but sort of what is the responsibility of an employer to making sure that their workplace, that where they're going to be bringing their employees in is is a safe place to work? A lot to unpack there, but really as a starting point, there are ministerial orders that have been ordered by the BC uh, health officer, uh, Dr. Bonnie Henry, who that say employers need to allow employees to stay home if they have contracted COVID-19 or are otherwise directed by a health professional. And so employers have an obligation to allow employees to take a leave during that time and, and guarantee their job. That makes it challenging, you know, if there's an, if there is an outbreak at workplace, for example, because then we're talking about possibly needing to bring in employees. If there is an employee that has contracted COVID or is suspected of contracting COVID and they've been recommended to uh, stay home and quarantine for, during that period, it, the employer then needs to consider where the source of that contraction took place. So did it happen in the workplace? Because then there's certain obligations or has that employee been in the workplace? Because there's obligations that that employer has to take to make sure that the workplace is safe. Alternatively, if if not, then it's just a, a leave to make sure that that employee's job is secure during the period of mm-hmm. isolation. If, if someone were, say, to refuse to self-isolate, right? Like if, if, if you're working at a, at a place and, and you're not really abiding by those self-isolation rules, you know, you're, you're not necessarily going right home after work. Maybe you're, um, you know, I don't know, going to the grocery store on a very frequent basis and you're going out for walks and you're meeting friends in parks and, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, would an employer have any sort of right to maybe ask you to stop coming into work for the time being because you're, you're, maybe they're nervous that you are uh, spending too much time with other people? people is that something that an employer would be allowed to do so jeff the the short answer is unlikely the employer can ask the employee to stay home if they are exhibiting symptoms of illness um, or have returned from travel for example outside of canada under those circumstances the employer has the right to send the employee home however it's likely that 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 ability ends there. It's a pretty tricky, yeah. probably, situation to navigate for employers, I am sure, right? Because you yeah, want to keep I mean, the workplace safe, but you also can't necessarily tell someone what to do on their free time, right? Well, that's it, right? So the hope is that employees would be listening to the to the recommendations of the ministry and abiding by self-distancing and, you know, not increasing the risk but at the same time employers don't necessarily have the right to 
control what people do in their personal life. So unless there's some additional reason or risk such as this person has symptoms of the infection or this person's immediate family member that they live with have have those symptoms um, or have been diagnosed, then then only in those circumstances would an employer be able to send someone home from work. What, what if... Um an employee is just nervous in general about, uh, you know, the, about the, the coronavirus. Can they refuse to work? And if they were to do that, I mean, does the employer have a right to fire someone for that? So I get this question a lot because it, it's it's happening. People are scared to go to work, are scared to be in groups with people. Um, as a starting point, employees have the right to refuse work in BC where there's um, an, an undue hazard is the term, but mm-hmm. where there's some sort of hazard where the workplace is not safe. And so if an employee refuses to consider or to attend work because they um, don't think the workplace is safe, they have to raise that with their employer who would then assess the situation and the circumstances and determine whether or not that refusal is is reasonable or not. You know, pre-COVID, there's a whole process through WorkSafe BC where if there's if the employer does not think that the employee is being reasonable in that refusal, then they can say go to WorkSafe BC, raise a complaint there, and we'll have it investigated. Now with the COVID, it's it's raised it's thrown a little bit of a wrench into things just because of the amount of fear there is out there and all the changing circumstances. And so what happens is. Now we have a situation where employers are asked to be reasonable in their approach to things. Um, so do employees have a right to refuse work? Uh, it depends. If, there's, if the workplace is taking additional steps to make it a safe environment as possible, then it's unlikely they do have that right to refuse unless there's some additional circumstance. Um, That's probably uh, all I need from you right now, Ayla, but uh, just in terms of, I guess, what you kind of are expecting here this afternoon, just what types of questions are you you getting right now amidst this pandemic on a pretty frequent basis? Because we can't touch on all of them, and I'm sure more people are going to get some answers here when they jump online for this virtual meet and greet here later today. But just uh, just from your perspective and just from what you've been hearing and and getting asked from, uh, you know, the people that you talk to on a regular basis, what, what seems to be some of the more pressing issues for um, in, in terms of employment in the, during this time? Yeah, so some of the bigger issues that we've been dealing with have been uh, employee layoffs, for example, uh, also situations where employees are refusing to come to work, uh, how to navigate those situations. Um, and then interestingly, it would be the ones where they're needing more workers because because they're an essential service who demand has increased. So you look at what's happening in the grocery stores, for example, and those are where people are needed to work, but you know, if somebody has contracted COVID and can't come in, or there's a group of people who have then um, what to do in those situations. So from the employee's perspective, those are the big topics. Also, what types of benefits are available? So whether it's for the employers with wage subsidies or for the employees, the types of benefits and EI benefits that are available. Um, we get asked a lot of questions about those. The other thing that we deal with quite a bit is strategizing the workplace. So work share arrangements or different alternative work schedules and 
whatnot for employees. So that would be strategizing how to make the workplace as safe as possible. Well, Ayla, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me here today. Really do appreciate it. And uh, I hope you get uh, lots of people online here this afternoon. And then and you can help fill them in even further. But I really do appreciate you doing this with me here today. Thanks, Jeff. That was employment lawyer with Fulton and Company, Ayla Salen, and that uh, virtual meeting with the uh, BC, or sorry, the uh, Kamloops Chamber of Commerce is set to go uh, here this afternoon. Uh, yeah, so basically, from what I got out of that was probably if you have any concerns when it comes to uh, you know what you're doing for work, whether you're an employer or an employee, uh, make sure you guys have those conversations with each other before you know worrying about what legal action there is. Uh, I think a lot of people are sort of all going through the same uh, scenarios in their head, and, and it's important that you uh, keep in touch and keep that dialogue uh, active in order to make sure everyone is on the same page. There's probably a lot of issues that can be resolved uh, before taking any sort of uh, action beyond having that conversation with uh, those that are uh, close to the situation. All right, well, let's take a quick break. Coming up, the CAO of Merritt will join me to talk about what's going on there in that community when it comes to COVID-19. So stay tuned, and I'll be back with more Jeff Andrea show after this. text 250-374-5345. Find us on Facebook or on Twitter at Radio NL News. This is Jeff Andreas on RadioNL.com. Welcome back to the Jeff Andreas Show here on Tuesday, April the 14th, and thanks so much for being here with me today. I'm joined on the line now by the CAO for the City of Merritt, Scott Hildebrand. Scott, thanks so much for taking the time here. Thank you, Jeff. So just while I have you to start, I uh, just kind of want to get a general picture of how things are going in the community right now as you sort of plan and, and deal with things uh, as it goes around COVID-19 and all the, the problems that are coming up as a result. Uh, just sort of uh, for you, as someone who kind of is really heavily involved in city planning, I mean, just how has COVID-19 impacted you so far? You know what? Uh, I think the city of Merritt is... Um We've got a great team there, and although we're dealing with a very difficult situation and one that's uh, changing by the moment, I think our council and the management team and staff are, are doing great. Um, we did have to scale back and, of course, um, and kind of cut back to essential services, but I think spirits are up. Uh, we're getting work done uh, in a variety of different ways, and uh, we're all remaining uh, motivated and uh, positive as best we can. Yeah, and, and I know, uh, you know, there's been layoffs in a lot of communities. I think the majority of municipalities have had to do some sort of staff reduction during this time. Um, you know, I, I don't believe Merritt is immune to that either. What, what sorts of changes have you guys had to make with just your staffing model right now? Yeah, initially we, of course, like, like many communities, we needed to uh, lay off some of our staff. We had a lot of part-time casual folks uh, in our recreation facilities. Of course, that was the, the first staff to go. And so we were about 60% layoff, I would think, uh, was 60 to 65% was our peak. We really cut back to essential services, making sure that water, wastewater, fire emergency services, RCMP, garbage and recycling were all kind of there and maintained and going well. And then we've kind of, from there over the last few weeks, um, we made sure development services were, were still up and running and doing it in a very safe way because um, We've got a lot of projects we're working we're working on right now uh, in the community, and those were vital to continue to move forward. And then, as we move forward to some of our core services, we just had our our management call here just short, uh, a few moments ago and started talking about some of those things that we need to start thinking about with park maintenance and things like that, turning on irrigation, uh, grass cutting. Um, as long as we're doing it safely and as long as we are managing it properly, we are slowly moving into that direction. 
Now, uh, you talked about, you know, about a 60% reduction in, in staff uh, for the, the actual city of Merritt. Um, what, what sorts of concerns, I guess, are out there in the community, just from a general sense in terms of things like, I know like utilities, obviously there's a number of supports that have been put in place by the utility companies themselves. Um, but like, is there anything that the, the city of Merritt is doing to try to help people who are going through some, some difficult financial times right now? Um, I know there's been a lot of talk in, in different communities about what's going to go on with property taxes and the deadlines there. Have you guys had any conversations around those specific topics and sort of what you can do for taxpayers in the community to maybe help ease the burden on them a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. That's certainly one of our focus conversations we've had with council and with uh, with the management team, and we're working hard on that. Um, of course, we need to take our lead from the province, but we are in favor of, of pushing back our property taxes and residential utilities and making sure that those are pushed back into summer or even fall uh, to help out our residents. Um, those are We are actually having an audit and finance committee meeting via video conference uh, tomorrow and uh, digging in a little bit deeper into those. And of course, you know, the main operational budget is we're looking at uh, all sorts of things that we can do to uh, just reduce the burden on our residents and make sure that uh, we can do everything possible to uh, come out of this uh, successfully. Yeah, and one of the things that kind of, uh, you know, kind of goes into that was uh, Aspen Planers uh, shutting down their operations for uh, at least the time being. I mean, is what was the concern from the community's perspective around that? I assume that's a pretty significant taxpayer for the community and then obviously the jobs that it uh, does help supply the community as well is significant. So I uh, just wanted to get a, a comment from you just around Aspen Planers and, and their decision to, to no longer really be operating at this point in time. I mean, what, what is a concern from Merritt uh, with, with regards to that decision? It's certainly a big impact for sure. Um, they've been around for a long time and uh, we fully support their operation and and we've been in contact with them on a regular basis. And we want to make sure that we are um, working on economic development, and that's why I mentioned development services being so important in some of the big projects we have going on in our community and why we need to keep those moving forward. Uh, but we, we're very supportive of Aspen Planers, and we'll do everything in our work to uh, help bring them back if possible. Right on. Uh, yeah, hopefully everything sort of gets smoothed out here in the not-too-distant future, but uh, just everything and everywhere is up in the air, and who knows when things will sort of return to normal. We're all hoping it'll happen sooner than later, but who knows? And, and with that in mind, uh, I did want to ask, too, just about uh, Rock and River Fest. I know it's uh, kind of a few months away. I don't believe any decisions have been made, and we're all sort of hoping for the best that things can go off without a hitch come August, but uh, I just wanted to kind of touch on it and say, you know, what um, is, is there a concern uh, from people in the community with Rock and River Fest potentially being postponed or cancelled and, and what would that do for the merit economy if something like that were to happen? Yeah, that, that event is, is huge for our community and uh, given that it's not until August but still uh, kind of in the planning stages I would assume we, we haven't got any official word but if it does move forward we're going to need to make sure it's done, uh, done in a proper and safe way. I guess we're hoping for the best. Um, our economy, of course, is very important, but uh, the, the health and the health of the residents in our community is uh, paramount. So we'll be focused on that first and foremost, and then figuring out a plan from there. Perfect. Yeah, well, I'm just going to keep my finger crossed that it does go ahead. I know a lot of people look forward to that event every summer. So um, obviously no decision made yet, and we'll just hope it does uh, get to go off without a hitch in, 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 in August. So we'll keep our fingers crossed. Yeah. Uh, that's about all I have for you, Scott. Anything else that you think people should know before I let you go? No, we're just doing our best to uh, keep our, our operations moving forward and keeping the residents of Merritt safe um, and communicating as best we can. So I appreciate the time.
Awesome. Well, thanks so much for doing this, and uh, we'll catch up again in the in the future. Thanks so much. Great. Thanks, Jeff. That was the CAO for the City of Merritt, Scott Hildebrand. Well, on that note, it's about time for me to end things here. So uh, I want to thank all my guests for joining me. And, of course, a big thank you to all of you for listening. And remember, whether you join me for a short while or a long while, just know I enjoyed our time while it lasted. Have yourself a great rest of your Tuesday, and I'll be back here tomorrow at noon.